0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock, Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad that you've joined us today. And last week, Jared gave a great word and spoke on faith that passes the test. And I really do pray that this series has been helpful and filled you with hope. So today... As we end the series, I want to talk on patterns that kill or build our faith. And I want to show you how there are some things in our lives that will kill the effectiveness of our faith. And there are some things that we can uh, do that will build our faith up and, and make it strong. And we've seen that the Bible says very clearly, we've all been given a measure of faith, but we've got to work what we've got you are responsible to build and increase your faith, to grow it in your life. And I want to help you do that. So are you ready for the word today? If you are, then just say it like you mean it with all your heart. My heart's open. My mind's ready. I won't be the same again. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Well, in this season of my life, I'm really trying to eat clean. And I've actually been quite good at it. And then, We'll go and do something like go to Bex, which is a restaurant here in Paul, for lunch. And I'll go and pay. And how many know that at this restaurant, they have fresh bread that they bake all around the till? Shabbat, sourdough, it's all around you. So I'll buy just one loaf. I'll buy one loaf because I'll just have one slice and then Jan, my wife, can eat the rest. And how many know that there is nothing better than freshly baked bread? And so... The one slice turns into half a loaf. And by the time I'm finished, the entire loaf is gone. And I'm completely off the wagon. Then, now I've got the taste for carbs, you know. And so I would order a pizza. And then I'm buying a tub of ice cream, you know, because, I mean, it's just one scoop. Are you with me? We are all, I believe, every one of us have some type of goal. Maybe yours is to be healthy or it's financial or a career goal, or an academic, or athletic goal, whatever it may be, and here's the deal. The failure we experience in life is often not external, it's not out here, but internal. It's internal. None of that bread jumped on my plate. The peanut butter didn't jump off the shelf and spread itself thickly onto the bread. No, 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 the bread, the peanut butter, the the big glass of milk didn't have little legs and crawl over to me. The issue wasn't out there, the issue was in here, inside me. And so my clean eating thinking had gone back to my holiday season thinking. And I went into some old patterns that were the result of old thinking. And it doesn't matter if you're a church person or not, if you believe in God or not, if there is any kind of failure in your life or any area where you feel stuck and not really moving forward in the way that you want to, I believe it's the result of unhealthy patterns. We are people of patterns. And some of you may say, oh no, Mark, we are creatures of habit. Well, habits are created by patterns. So you are a person of patterns, more than you are a person of habits. I want to give you an example. Some of you can get up and find yourself sitting in the car about to leave for work or leave for school, and you don't remember much of anything of how you got there. Uh, But you're dressed, you're in the car, you showered, hopefully your teeth are brushed, because we are people of patterns. You got up this morning and you operated according to a pattern. Some of you like me are a coffee first person. You don't even have to think about it. You know, you get up, walk out of the room and all of a sudden you're at the coffee machine and you've got a coffee in your hand. Why? Because you're a person of patterns. Some of you are a brush my teeth first person. For some of you, you hit snooze and then you hit it again, and then you hit it again, and you're a three snooze person. Don't act like you don't hit the snooze button. Some of you, your wife is looking at you right now as if you're not a three snoozer, you're a sixer. And if, if you have an iPhone, they say it's every nine minutes per snooze. But let's be honest, why do we sit out early and then snooze three times? Just a question. We are people of patterns. This is why the Apostle Paul says in Romans 12 verse 2, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Do not. The issue with our faith is not that we don't believe enough, but it's that we have some unhealthy patterns. We have conformed to some of the patterns of this world. And this is why Paul goes on and he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, if you allow God's word to renew your mind, if you allow the presence of God to renew your mind, then you will have some new patterns which will lead to some new things in your life. I really believe that. Often in areas like finances, for example, it's not that I need a new job to get more money but I need breakthrough in how I manage the job and the money I already have. New financial patterns are needed. Maybe you grew up with unhealthy ones and you don't know the difference. And now you're just perpetuating what you've seen and those patterns have led to certain results in your life. Are you with me? Now, patterns that you stay in determine your destiny in every area of your life. In your health, finances, relationship, and especially in your faith, the patterns you have will show you the life that you will live. So today I want to talk about two faith killer patterns. Patterns that will kill your faith. And then I'll talk about two faith builder patterns, which I believe, if you will follow, will really, really build your faith. So we are looking at Psalm 73. It's written by a guy named Asaph. David had appointed him as a worship leader in the temple. And Asaph is giving us some insight into his thinking and into his world, into his life. The psalm is only 28 verses long, but for the first 14 verses straight, it's just about the things he's battling with and fighting with and how he feels. Then he has an encounter. He has a moment around verse 15 and the rest of the psalm is about how he processes that that took place. It's an awesome song because it shows us, I believe, how people wrestle with real issues, how they process them and come out on the other side in a much better place. And so I'll give you two faith killers. These are patterns that will, I believe, kill your everyday faith. So are you with me? Number one, focusing on things you can't control. Did you hear me? focusing on things that you can't control. We are all guilty of this, every one of us. He starts looking at this world and he begins to say, man, there are some horrible things that are happening in life. And he says, there are bad people and and, and really good things are happening to these bad people. And I wonder if, if ever you've looked around and you've thought, you know, there's so much injustice in the world. People are prospering that should not be prospering while I'm trying to do all the right things. Let's be real honest. Usually when we think of injustice, we compare to something we are going through, right? I'm doing all the right things and it seems that nothing good is happening to me. And this is what he's saying in Psalm 73, really, from verse three. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Whenever we are comparing our life to somebody else's, we always speak in extremes. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. I mean, he gets pretty dramatic. They are not plagued by human ills. So they never have struggles. They never get sick. And they carry no burdens. I don't know one person in life that this is true of, whether the godly or ungodly or the wicked. This isn't true of anybody, but this is what he sees, and he goes on in verse 12. This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amazing wealth. They're always carefree, and every day they're just getting more and more and more money. I mean, they're just killing it out there. Do you know what Asaph is doing? He is focusing on things that he can't control. He can't control if somebody, in his opinion, is wicked, if they are prospering or not. He he can't control it. He can't control whether they get sick or not. He can't control any of that. And this is what I do know. If you spend your time focusing on the things that you can't control, things that you have no way of having any influence over, you will drain the life out of your faith. It will be a faith killer. Usually what is happening is that we are actually living the game of comparison. But whenever you compare anything about your life to somebody else's life, it will kill your joy. For some of you, that is why you should never, ever, ever be on social media. All you do is compare your behind the scenes to their highlight reel. And that's all that really is going on out there. Just highlight reels. So you are comparing your real world, your behind the scenes to the posed picture with 10 different filters. And now you think that your life sucks. And well, theirs is just wonderful. You then try to control circumstances. Well, if I do this and if I just try and do that, stop focusing on things you can't control. You will kill yourself playing the comparison game. I believe that because when you do that, you fail to see the blessing in your own life. Then you're like, well, God, God, what do you want from me? You know, I, I've been to church for, for three weeks in a row now, and they haven't been to church for three weeks because they've been on three different holidays, and I haven't even had one break yet. Like, you can control that? Really? I mean, look at their kids. Wow, they've got such beautiful kids. My kids, oh my Lord, they are just all over the place. No, they beat their kids into submission and that is picture number 35. Come on, let's be truthful. If you play the comparison game, it will kill the joy in our hearts and lives because we focus on things that we cannot control and then we think, oh, it's not fair. Often we are also comparing two different seasons. We could be in a planting season, but comparing our life to somebody else's that is in a harvest season. They may be planting for I don't know how many years. They've been planting and planting, and now they are harvesting. They're harvesting what they have been planting. You can't have the harvest until you plant. You can't come up in the summer season to harvest the field if you didn't do any planting during the year, we don't know their life. We don't know what they've walked through, the issues, the struggles, the challenges. You know, Asaph didn't even know if those people were really, really wicked. We have no context for it. They could have been great people, but he's just in a dark place, and all he was focusing on was what he could not control, which led him to spiral down and down, and then everybody was wicked. I've often tried to help people in a spiral, but I've found that not before long, I'm also wicked to them. They have no struggles. They never get sick, ever. I mean, I hate them. They're they never sick. You know, Their children are always healthy. You don't know that. So the first unhealthy pattern that will kill your faith is to focus on things that you cannot control because it will kill your everyday faith and steal your joy as well. Number two, number two is this. When you stop doing the things you can control, when you stop doing the things you can control, the second pattern is to stop doing the things that you can control. Look at what Asaph said. He says this, surely in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain, in vain, in vain. And every morning brings new punishment. I can see Asaph getting up every morning, and before he gets out of bed, he's scrolling through everybody else's new feed. He's looking at their highlight reel. Maybe that's why he was plagued every morning. And for some of you, you haven't even gone to the bathroom yet, and you know what everybody ate for dinner last night. And so he says, it's in vain, in vain. You know, the thing is, if you spend your life focused on things that you cannot control at some point, You'll be so exhausted that you'll say, ah, everything is in vain. Everything I did is in vain. There was no point. It wasn't even worth it. Why must I even try? Why did I even try and stay pure before God? Why did I even try and pursue the things of God? Why did I try and get into a small group or, 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 or plug into serving somewhere? Why did I help in that ministry? Why did I try and be faithful and, and, and full of generosity? Why did I even try to love my neighbor? Why did I try? Oh my, it's all in vain. All of it is just in vain. It will be exhausting if you are doing it from a place of focusing on things that you cannot control. And some of you are control freaks. So when you don't get your own way, you walk away. If you're serving God, and because you're serving God, the only reason you're serving God so, so was that you could compare it to somebody else's serving or their lack thereof. I'm telling you, in trouble. If the motive, for going to a small life group was, you know, I went to a small group, but, but I noticed they didn't go. If the motive for doing things for God is so that you can compare your righteousness and your hard work to everybody else's unrighteousness and lack of hard work, then I would understand why you want to quit. You see, when you focus on things that you can't control, your, your nature and your natural next step is going to be to stop doing the things that you can control because there will always be someone who is a step ahead of you or three steps ahead that you can't control. And if that is what you are doing, I'm telling you, uh, because you can find yourself in a place that what you're doing for God is for you to get ahead of others because you are in this comparison game of something you can't control, then it's going to be an exhausting journey for your faith. I'm telling you now. How exhausting to live your life constantly going, you know, I'm not where they are. They're they getting ahead. I mean, their seven days of prayer gets answered. Now, just stay with me. This message gets happier in the end. But I'm just trying to paint a picture of how this will kill the life out of your faith. for Asaph, There then came the moment when everything changed. And it started in this verse right here. He says in verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Then he said, verse 17, till I entered the sanctuary of God. That's when everything changed. When I entered the sanctuary of God. In other words, i got into the presence of God. The wicked were getting ahead, and, and I was mad at everybody. I wanted to quit. I mean, it was all in vain. And then he said, I went to church. I got in the presence of God, and all of a sudden, it changed everything. Now, you must understand, we have no reason to believe in the context of Scripture that any of the situations that you observe change. We have no reason to believe that all of a sudden, all the wicked people got sick and now he was happy. It's twisted if you're a Christian and you want that to happen to anybody. We have no reason to believe that all of a sudden, he miraculously just realized that all the wicked people now had burdens or that anything that he had observed changed. But when he got into the presence of God, he changed which changed his perspective on everything. We didn't know if it was a word that was spoken when he went into the sanctuary. We didn't know if it was during the worship. We didn't know if it was a conversation that he had with somebody uh, during that time. We just know that he went into the sanctuary of God and it changed everything. That is why it's so important for you to be in the presence of God, because it is possible to come to church and miss his presence. I've seen many people come to church. Mislik, bitter, carrying an offense. And leave totally unchanged. You can come to church and not engage at all. Just sit, stand, sit. Going through the motions. Come on. You know, you're in a place where it's, uh, I'll just endure. I just want to get through this. I mean, come on, preacher, get on with it. You know, you can't Wait to rush out, but if you will engage with the presence of God, it will change something in your life. It will shift your perspective. You can walk into this house, you know, uh, around or, or go online, and you're overwhelmed, so full of burdens and injustice, or whatever it is that you are dealing with, but one moment in the presence of God, like Asaph, can change everything, everything, We need to find time every single day to be in his presence, not just on a Sunday. Put a worship song on in the car, you know, lift up your worship to God, maybe just for a few minutes a day to get into his presence. Why? Because it will be the fuel for your faith for whatever you face during the day. And so all of a sudden, Asaph saw things that he didn't see before. All of a sudden, he was overwhelmed. Why? Because he got into the presence of God. He said, until I went into the sanctuary, even his perspective on the wicked change. And he says in verse 18, surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. He's saying, God, whatever is going on with them, you're going to take care of it. And let's be honest, he may have been suggesting some things to God as well, like cast them down. Has anybody ever suggested things to God? Okay, not you. But he's saying, I can't control it. I don't even need to try because it's not my concern. I should love people, but not try and control people. It's not my concern is what he's saying. And then two things happen that I believe are two faith builders for us. Ready? Number one, stay self-aware. Stay self-aware. This is not pop psychology. Look at what he says. All of a sudden, he gets into the presence of God, and he says, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. In other words, God, I was speaking about things that I didn't know about. I was ignorant. I was saying things that, that were not even true. And how many of you know that when you get so focused on things that you can't control, you say things that aren't true. You have assumptions. The assumption isn't the fact, but you believe your assumptions. And your assumptions make you sound ignorant. Did you hear me? Your assumptions make you sound ignorant. When Asaph got into the sanctuary and the light of God shone on him, he became self-aware. And that's why some people don't want to engage the presence of God. Because the minute we do, he will shine a light on us. And he said, when the light shone on me, I saw my heart was grieved. And as a result, my spirit had been embittered. And I was speaking out of ignorance. Do you know what one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself and everybody around you? It's a high level of self-awareness. A high level of going, God, this situation in my life has created bitterness in my heart. Most people don't like self-awareness. And the reason is is because we have so many faces. We're putting on different faces. We have a different face for everybody. I've got to be this to this person. And and this is my church face. And this is my school face. And this is my work face. And oh I'm with this group now. This is my this group face. And there are so many faces and so many people that we're trying to position ourselves in front of that we don't really know where our heart is. So whenever life bumps us, the bitterness comes out of our mouth. And then we go, oh, oh, that was just out of character. No, it's exactly in character. That was your character. It It just got bumped out. And when life bumps you and the pressures come and anger comes out of you, uh, no, that that just wasn't me. No, that exactly was you. Because what bumps comes out of the top. It comes, it comes from the top. It doesn't come from the bottom. It doesn't come out of nowhere. When you bump a glass of water, water spills out. And it is what is at the very top of the glass that spills out. Are you following me? So when life bumps you, what comes out is what is on the top. So the greatest gift that you can give yourself and the people around you is to help the self-awareness to go, I'm dealing with some issues right now and I don't uh, know what to do because I have some bitterness in my heart. My heart was grieved in that situation and it was painful and, and I took an offense and I allowed bitterness to get in and it's poisoning everything around me. And so I'm going to uproot that and I will not allow that to be inside of me. Are you following me? Because you can control your self-awareness. You can determine what kind of attitude you are going to keep. He said, my spirit was embittered. You can determine whether or not you will keep a sweet spirit, no matter what you walk through, and it's up to you. But you have to be self-aware to be in a place where you go, okay, my spirit isn't right right now. It's not good. It's a little angry. I'm a little bitter. You know, I just want to lash out to, to somebody around me. And you have to be determined then to say, no, I'm going to keep a sweet spirit inside of me. No matter what I have to walk through, I'm going to not allow this difficulty to attach itself to me and cause me to become embittered. I'm not going to allow negativity into my life. I'm going to keep a good spirit and a good attitude. I'm not going to allow this negativity to get on the inside of me. You know, I just woke up and now I'm negative and faithless. No, it's little by little, little things that happen over and over and over again. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you find that any situation that comes up, you always just see it now in the negative. You see the negative side of everything. Folks, I've been in church a long, long time. I'm telling you now. And I see this all the time. And that's what you begin to speak out. You start to speak out this negativity that's inside of you to anybody who will give you some time. To some of you, be careful who you entertain because believing a lie does not make it the truth. So you have to determine to own it. I also don't believe that you can stay self-aware by yourself you need community that's why it's so important for you to be in a life group you need people in your life i believe who are on the outside and can see in and they say hey wait stop something's not right what's going on and you need that place you need to take steps also i believe in your growth and your development that's why we run growth steps so that you can find your purpose and become aware of your giftings and even your personality The healthier you are, the more self-aware you will become of who you were created to be by God so you can know who you are. And you know what? Whenever you are fulfilling your purpose, it's hard to focus on things that you can't control. I don't have time to focus on things I cannot control because I'm moving forward in the purposes of God for my life. It builds my everyday faith. So number one, stay self-aware. Stay self-aware. Number two, stay God-aware. Stay God-aware. Look at what it says in the next verse, verse 23. Yet I'm always with you, God. Hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, after I listen to your counsel, God, you will take me into glory. That word glory literally means abundance. Whom? have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may feel, but God is the strength of my heart. So he went from a grieved and embittered heart to now God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He became very aware of who God is, If you spend your life focused on things that you cannot control and you stop doing the things that you can control in those moments, you won't have any eyes fixed on what God can do and what He can control. This is why throughout the Old and New Testament, God would often say, remember this. Remember this. And a little while later, he'll say, remember this. Why? Because we are forgetful people and we forget about his power and his strength, if we would get our eyes fixed on being aware of who we are and what God has purposed and designed for us to do, and if we would stay very aware, I believe, of the God that we serve and his power, we would build our faith. I'm talking about our everyday faith. If in the middle of difficult times, we would remember that the God that we serve is the same yesterday today, and forever, which means that the God who opened blind eyes yesterday is the same today, and he still has that kind of power in my today and in all of my tomorrows. The same God that raised Lazarus from the dead, loosed him from those grave clothes, can raise you and loose you from the things that hold you. And if he is the same God yesterday, today, and in my tomorrows, then I don't have to worry about who's prospering over here and and who's prospering over there. And I don't have to worry about them getting ahead of me over there. I'm just aware of the God that I serve. And the same God that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit lives on the inside of me. The same God that raised Lazarus is the same God that opened blind eyes. The same God that made a way in my yesterday where there was no way is the same God today. And I have total confidence that he will go into the future for me as well. Come on. That will keep and build your everyday faith. But beyond all that, I love what Ahab said. He said this, God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Do you know what he's saying? Even if God doesn't do everything I want him to do, just he alone is enough. He is my portion forever. Let me ask you this question. What do you want more? What God can do for you or just God himself? Do you want his hand or do you want to know his heart? He said, he's my portion Do you know what he's saying? Why am I worried about things that I can't control? Why am I even thinking about quitting? Because God is enough. He is my portion. He alone is all that I need. More than you need God's hand in your life, you just need God. Did you hear me? And when you get to the place where God is all you want, you will find out all along that he is all you need. When God is all you want, not his blessing, not do this for me, not make this happen, not you're my heavenly dispensing machine, but I just want you, God, just you. When he's all you want, you'll find out that he's all you need. I'm going to show you one more verse. It's how ASAP ended the psalm. It's verse 28. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Church, if you will live life with an everyday faith, you will tell of all his deeds. God doesn't do for one person and withhold from another. I promise you. But if you will get in a pattern of building everyday faith, just stay near God every day and making the Lord of your life your refuge. You will tell the world of the good deeds of our great, great God. I want to encourage you, be a people that bold your faith. Come on, let's pray. Maybe today the step of faith you need to take is the step of making Jesus the Lord, of, and not just the Lord, but the Lord and Savior of your life. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about church attendance in any way. But I am asking you, do you have a relationship with God? Do you have a peace with God? Because you've got to know Jesus came to this earth so that our sins, the thing that separates us from God, can be forgiven. And if you've never, ever taken that step, if you don't know the love of God, or you've just grown cold, you know, you've had patterns in your life that have caused you to move away from God. And in doing that, you've lost your peace but you now want to know more of God, something's drawing you back to Him. If that's your desire, then we're going to pray together. So if you don't know God or you, or you need to come back to God, then just pray this simple prayer with me right now. It goes like this. Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new beginning. Today, I am making you my Lord and the Savior of my life. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I'm excited for this journey that you're on. Uh, You have an incredible journey. You will never walk alone again. Let somebody know in the chat room if you can. But until we meet again, share hope, show kindness, and shine Jesus.